When I have customers that call on the phone, they're baked to order, but if it's for the store, no, we put them in as we need them. Okay, so, you know, my girl's in the front. I have a half a pan of sausage left. Okay, so I throw in the sausage ready in a half hour. When that one's out, the other next one goes up. A third generation business that started 50 years ago based on a coal oven from 1912. There are very few coal ovens still left in Chicago, but one of the busiest is D'Amato's a family-run bakery producing bread, focaccia, and bakery-style Sicilian that has become a local icon in its own right. The story of D'Amato's straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to the show, everybody, this week. Great to have you along with us uh, here in, I think it's like week four, week five of the lockdown in Illinois. Um, I am standing outside today in front of our guest, uh, which is D'Amato's Bakery. And I'm in West Town here in Chicago, about a mile west of downtown. I do have a mask on, by the way. Um, and we're talking about a historical, a legendary place today here um, in West Town. They've been in business for 50 years. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. And as I'm looking across the street, I see D'Amato's Bakery number one. Next door to that is Bari Subs Italian Foods. Next door to that is OG Trattoria. Um, on this side of the street is a D'Amato's Wholesale Bakery. Just down the street, there's Salerno's, a great pizzeria, good tavern-style joint that's in my book. Uh, Coal-Fired Pizza is down the street. So there are several Italian uh, food businesses and shops in this neighborhood. One of the interesting little things, which we didn't talk about on the show today, I want to share this little story with you briefly. Bari which is right next door to D'Amato's, is known for their subs, and they do have great subs. Several years ago, I mean, this was, it was always this kind of funny um, symbiotic relationship between D'Amato's, which has this great bread, this beautiful sort of Italian, sort of French-Italian bread, these long loaves. They would supply everybody in the city who had any kind of reputation with sandwiches with their bread. Graziano's is a great example. Um, so they would supply the bread next door to Bari, and Bari made these great subs. Well, at one point several years ago, Bari went with a, a less expensive bread from a different baker. And once that happened, D'Amato's basically said, well, fine, then we'll start making subs. And so now they make subs as well on their fantastic coal fire oven bread. Uh, Bari does not. So we talked to Rosanna D'Amato today, third generation. Uh, her grandparents started this bakery. Uh, back in 1970 and we began the show as we begin all our shows asking our guest about her first pizza memory. Okay, so I'd say my first memory was, well, I've been coming down here to the bakery with my father since I was about 15. So we only made cheese and sausage pizza in the store when we first started. So as the years went by, you know, one day it was slow, I remember, and I was in the back, and I'm like, okay, we have all these ingredients here. What can I do that's different to build the business up? So I'm like, okay, pepperoni, that's easy, right? So I started doing that, and then we did veggie, supreme, 
all different kinds of veggies. So now we have like five to six different pans every day. But that has to be like my best memory of the pizzas because I was like, cheese sausage, everybody's coming in just for cheese and sausage. Like they love our pizza, we could do more with this, you know? Because my grandfather was very old fashioned, you know, he came from Italy and then my dad, he came from Italy too, but you know, he's, he's a little still old fashioned too. Um, you know, he, they always wanted to stick to the same thing and I'm like, no, we gotta do more, we gotta, you know, build it up, so. So, yeah. you're, so it's interesting because most kids who grew up in Chicago, their first memory would be like a thin, square cut tavern style, like a Vito and Nick's. Yeah. Yours is not that style that you remember because you grew up in a very different business. Yeah, yeah, ours is a thicker pan, um, it's Sicilian style. So, you know, some customers come in and they say pizza bread. I'm like, no, it's still pizza, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just very moist, it's thicker, you know, it takes longer to cook, the dough needs to proof, all that stuff. It's just made totally different. Right, well, before we talk about the details, we'll do that in our next segment. I wanna talk about the history of this place because where we're standing right now, back here in the kitchen, which by the way is about three times as large as the front area yes. where you walk in. Yeah. Tell me about this place. So the, the oven, I understand, is from 1912, 1912 right? 1912, yes. The oven has been here since 1912. So every day we, we have a coal room downstairs, so it's filled with coal. Um, we get it, um, we have a coal truck, so we go to get it. We send a driver to get it about once a month, fill the whole room up with coal, and then we fill the hopper every day, and then that's how the oven stays hot. It's all bricks. So it goes back about 15 feet. Is there, I mean, you say you got like a coal truck. Is there a place in Chicago to relatively easy to go get coal? Because there aren't a lot of coal ovens here. No, it, we have to go in Indiana. Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Interesting because on this block, I know coal fired is about a block or two down the street. I had heard they opened up because they figured, well, you're already getting coal deliveries or your coal drops. Yeah. It's much easier for them if they're gonna they're not gonna have to fight with the aldermen to get a like a waiver to get coal here. Yeah, yeah. Coal versus gas fired ovens. Why is coal good for baking bread or, or pizza? Okay, so I always compare it to like a steak. So when you want to barbecue outside, you have the steak. It comes out so beautiful, right? And then you put a steak in the house, in the broiler, and it's just different. The taste is different. You know, you got that crisp taste. You know, our bread in the oven, it's crispy, and then in the middle, it's so soft like a pillow. Right, right, so that's really one of the things, I mean, you started doing bread before pizza, right? Or did they start at the same time here? No, it was, well, it was bread, focaccia, and then the pizza, yes. And then we built up to like the cookies, the sandwiches, the pastries, all that stuff. And what was going on here? So after 1912 when this oven was built, there was something besides before D'Amato's. Yeah, there was a bakery here, yes. And they just had um, the bread and just the bread, actually, and a couple other things. But the focaccia, we started the focaccia. Okay, so tell me about, so your grandparents, Nicola and Rose, yes. they came here in 1961? Yes, yes. So they came here from Italy, and then my grandfather saw, you know, the bakery, and then he, he bought the bakery. So they... In 1970. Yeah, in 1970. And... Um, so he started here with my dad, and then my dad has two brothers. And then after a while, my dad opened up across the street, which is our wholesale bakery where we bake for the restaurants and the stores. Is that Victor? Yes, Victor is my father. And I want to ask you about this neighborhood a little bit. So this is kind of an interesting little little Italy in a sorts. There's Bari next to you, OG Trattoria, Salerno's down the street. Um, was this a little Italy at some point in the 70s? Yes, it was, it was. It was all Italian people, a lot of Italian people. Um, my memory is when I was growing up really young, there was um, 
like a social club across the street from us and you know all the old Italian guys they come out with their lawn chairs and they sit there you know like stuff you see in the movies um, so that's what I remember and then a lot of customers from the neighborhood tell me you know about the markets and stuff like that and these little tiny grocery stores and but there's not a lot of people left. I mean, there's still some people here um, that have been here for a long time. Like actually, a lady that lives right next door to us. Her, yeah, she's still here, um, and you know, her whole family's here. It's just amazing. I love when I see the old customers from I remember when I was 10 years old. In Chicago, I mean, again, not a historian, but my understanding was Little Italy downtown, which is called Taylor Street, yes, that kind of yes. pushed out when the University of Illinois Chicago expanded and the highway expanded. And so a lot of those folks went west, and some came here to Grand Avenue, and some went further west to Harlem Avenue. Yes. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so that's, that's at least sounds like to your understanding. Yes, yes, that's right. And now it's just, yeah, it's different, you know, all different kinds of people, and it's great. I mean, the customers are just all different, and, you know, oh, wow. And some customers come in, they don't even know the bakery. Like, oh, this is my first time. Like, oh, this is great. Let me tell you all about it, you know? So it's just amazing. It's great to see the change. Tell us about the focaccia. Okay, so our focaccia bread, which we call focaccia, is, um, it's a tomato bread, like the American way is tomato bread. So there's no cheese on it. It's just tomatoes with our dough, and we season it in our special way. We make our regular focaccia. We make artichoke, olive, onion, or mushroom, and then we make our special, which is artichoke, olive, and onion all together. That's a different recipe than the, the pizza bread, yeah? Yeah, it's a little different. Um, they're a little faster to make, and they're good if you just put them on the table. You cut them up with a salad or dinner, or you can just eat them. People just come in here and get them for lunch. We warm them up for three minutes, bam, cut them in fours. It's great. And then yeah. with the a little lighter. Okay. And then with the pizza, this is a Sicilian-style pizza or, or a bakery-style pizza done in a big rectangular pan, yeah? Yes. I mean, a, some people refer to it as bakery-style pizza, but again, you know, I... I'm like, it's, ours is a little different. You just got to try it. It's, it's more moist. You know, you go to a lot of bakeries and it's, it's a little drier, you know. I really feel like ours is just very moist. It's just different. And then uh, give me a breakdown. Like, are you doing mostly bread here with a little bit of pizza or a lot of pizza with a little bit of bread? Because I know there's a lot of wholesale business you guys have. Every great sandwich place, Graziano's, on and on, yeah, uses your bread. Very good, yes. Yes, and they're very, very good. Um, we love the Graziano's, actually. Um, but, yes, we sell... I'd say, I mean, we do sell a lot of pizza, and we still do really good on the bread, so I'd say a little both. But yes, the pizza's great for lunch, for catering orders, it goes very well. Okay, and it reheats pretty well, yeah? Oh, yes, definitely. And you can even eat the pizza cold. Customers love it. Like, all my old school customers, all the people from the neighborhood, they're like, no, Rosanna, you know we don't warm it up. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Rosanna D'Amato about this fantastic bakery slash Sicilian pizza. She'll tell us more about how it's made, and then we're going to also preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks, so stay with us. How crazy is it to think you can actually have your insurance company pay you to walk? United Healthcare isn't crazy, they just want you to be healthy. One of their programs is called United Healthcare Motion where members can earn more than a thousand bucks a year toward their health reimbursement account just for walking. If your company works with United Healthcare, ask your friendly HR person about their programs. And if not, go tell them to switch today. Go to uhc.com slash Illinois motion to get more information.
United Healthcare, a proud supporter of the Illinois Restaurant Association and committed to your good health. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're here at D'Amato's uh, in Westtown on Grand Avenue talking with Rosanna D'Amato today. Um, but her husband, Eddie, is here as well, and he was telling us during the break about coal. I want to just get a little bit more into the details here of the coal. Eddie, you said you guys go a little bit further to get the coal. What is it about the coal that is, is special? You said there's a special size, or tell me about that. So the size and the consistency of the size that helps the coal run down the chute into the hopper that feeds the oven so it burns cleaner. You don't get the clinger pieces that burn too long, so you get uneven burn on your oven, it's uneven wear and tear. So you get little small, consistent, about one inch pieces that burn for about the same amount of time that help us achieve the same heat every time the oven gets fired. So you get that consistent, deep heat into the bricks that last in that oven. It's also part of why it cooks a certain way compared to gas, you know. Tell me about that heat, because I know like in a, in a gas oven, a lot of guys in Chicago are between 600 and 750 maybe. Um, there's wood fire that goes 900 to 1,000 degrees. What, what is coal at roughly? We're probably in between the two, burning, burning at like 500 degrees maybe. But it's, and it's, it, it's different. It's not like a wood-burning oven where you're going to try to hit that high heat up top. This is consistent throughout. You're going to get little pockets. It's a really big oven. You're going to get little pockets here and there where it varies a few degrees but it's not, it's not a big difference. You want that consistency for all the different things that you're doing. This pizza doesn't get fired in 10 minutes. You know, it's, it's in there for a while. It, well, let's, let's talk about the pizza now. So can you tell me anything? I know everything is proprietary, but can you tell us anything about like the flour that you guys use, for instance? Oh, I think my dad would get really mad. <laughs> that's, a, that's a secret family recipe. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. Okay, no, no, don't tell us about the flour. Okay, what about um, when you build this? I'm sure there's a certain amount of moisture in this dough. Um, can you tell us about like how long it proofs or how long you wait before you put any topping on? So when they mix the dough, it's very important that, you know, it gets worked with right away. So they mix the dough, you know, we let it sit for maybe, I, I'd say like five, ten minutes the max. Then we start putting it on the pans. You know, you got to cut it out to the how many pounds we need. It goes on the pans. Then you got to let it sit. Before you put in the pans, do you oil them? Because I know in New York, like at oh, uh, Defar, yes. they oil yes. it. We oil the pans. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, then you have to let it sit. So it's got to sit for 20 minutes. You know, even 25 minutes is fine. Then we start working. Because it's, it's easier. You know, it stretches so nice. That's why it's so important to. They have to mix the dough right away, then use it because it stretches so beautifully. If you let it sit, it's harder to work with the dough. It gets nervous. Okay, so then you start working with it, and then you, you, you top it with cheese first? Oh. <laughs> so the steps are, uh, it's a secret. You can't, you can't know the steps exactly. That's I, why I've been in business for 50 the, years, but yeah. yeah. The weather plays a factor, too. It's real similar to making the bread, where the humidity or how yeah. dry the weather is outside, you know, cold, hot makes a difference for how long it sits. So tell me about that. So like you walk in on a day like today, it's overcast in Chicago, it's 50 degrees. We're in the spring, which is really kind of yuck in Chicago. Do, do you calculate that temperature? Do you look at the ambient temperature of your space before you start making your recipe? When you're really good, like my father-in-law, you, you just know, you know? The, the guy, his feet get out of bed and he knows what he it's gonna be like. He does something a little different with the dough if the weather is, if it's humid outside. Yeah, he does a little something different. He can tell. He doesn't have to yeah. watch the news or know what the day is going to be. He can just tell. He knows. All right. So uh, you, when you're stretching, the, you stretch the dough out. You wait 20, 25 minutes or so, and you start working with it. 
Um, but I remember you telling me a long time ago, you build it or you put some toppings on and then you let it proof overnight. You, a lot of places will let the dough proof overnight and then they'll top it and bake it the same day. No, we don't let it proof overnight. No. So we, we make it, then we let it, yeah, we let it sit out again and proof because the pizza has to rise. So when you're making it, it's thin. But our pizza, it has to be higher, thick, you know, up to the pan level. So they're not ready, say, like to put in the oven right away. They have to sit. They sit with nothing on them when they're proofing. Yeah, we don't top them. We top them later when they're ready. Okay, I, I need an order for sausage. Bam, 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 top it goes in the oven. Okay, so they're kind of baked to order. Um, yeah, when I have customers that call on the phone, they're baked to order, but if it's for the store, no, we put them in as we need them. Okay, so, you know, my girl's in the front. I have a half a pan of sausage left. Okay, so I throw in the sausage ready in a half hour. When that one's out, the other next one goes up. Okay, so what, what about the construction? Um, does it go cheese, sauce, topping, or to cheese, topping cheese sauce, or huh? tell us anything? <laughs> both smiling at each other. Uh, Oh God! You want my dad to go over here? The, the cheese is on top. That's a pretty easy. That's a pretty easy one just to tell. Yeah, um, yeah. You, but it's you know, certain, you see. It's about the way we actually make it. So, even if you put the cheese at the bottom and the sauce at the top, see, we kind of like mix it together. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's not like a normal pizza where you're just layering it and then you're putting it, you know, just letting it sit there or letting it go in the oven. You know, something has to be done in between those steps to make it how it's moist and how it's, you know, just put all together. If you see our pizza, you could tell, like, even some customers are like, is there cheese? I'm like, oh, yeah, you, when you eat it, you're going to tell there's a lot of cheese on that pizza because of the way it's mixed together. And then can, I'm, I'm, I probably know the answer to this already. Can you tell us anything about the kind of tomato you use or the kind of cheese you use? Oh, well, all I could say is about the cheese, it's the best cheese you will find. Very, very good, very moist, so that's all I could say, but very good. It is, it is a, you know, the highest cheese, like a 3% or 2% cheese, it's great, yes. It's mozzarella. Yes, yes, uh, mozzarella, yes. Okay, um, and the tomatoes you can't say either. Right, yeah. Okay, all right, listen, it's your business, I'm just asking, it's okay. Um, one of the nice things about this kind of pizza is you get this crispy sort of frico, this cheese edge, which has become so popular now with the Detroit-style pizza. Um, but you guys have been doing this for 50 years. You, you like that crispy edge. Yes, yes. It's very important. You know, if you take the pizza out just that one minute or two too early, you're, you might not get that edge. So just to leave it in there that couple minutes, it's beautiful. And then, you know, we use, a, you know, a scraper, obviously, you know, around the pan. So... You know, when it, it's even that little bit tough to scrape it, you know you got that little burnt crisp. And you got it, you know, scraping it is very important. <laughs> As Steve just saw a little while ago when I was doing one. Yeah. How long do these take to bake? Um, about a half hour. Okay. Um, and you said you've got about, about five or different, five flavors now, five ranges? Yeah, five to six. It depends. Um, sometimes if it's busy, you know, I'll throw in another one in the front, a different flavor. So, yeah. And our veggies, we change it every day. Um, you know, I like to have something different. So. so you like it. So tell us about the texture. If anybody, nobody's ever seen this style of pizza before. You've got kind of this, this puffy middle, soft, wet middle, a little bit, um, a crispy edge, and yeah. kind of a light blonde undercarriage. Mm -hmm. It's not a darkened, uh, blackened underneath. Even though you've got oil in the pan, 
It doesn't blacken the bottom of the no, pizza. No, no, the dough, it never blackens, though. No. It should always have, though, that little brownness to it. You want a little brown at the bottom. Um, and yeah, the middle is just when you bite into it, it's so moist and soft, and then it's crispy all around. And you got these little, like, almost like little craters underneath, little potholes, little, yes. little, little yeah. bubbles, right? Yeah. yeah, sometimes they come there, yes, yes. And, and, and how long, you said you fire this oven like, once a day? Yes, once a day, once a day. And then it, it holds his heat all... Like he's down there about like a half hour, I would say. That's got to be a tough job. Yeah, it's very old-fashioned, you know. We actually use a shovel, shovel it in. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Expensive to have a coal oven? It's definitely um, a commitment to a certain way of, of doing things, you know, from Rosanna's grandfather to her father to now her and her siblings. It's a commitment to the way it's been done for years. It would be a million times easier to do it another way, but... And that leads to my last question. We ask everybody on the show this. Knowing what you know now about pizza making, what advice would you give your younger self before you got into this? It's a, it's a labor of love for sure. Long hours, long days. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I love the business. You know, I really do. Um, there's days that we all get tired, my whole family, but there's no place I'd rather be, honestly. There really isn't. Sometimes I feel like I make up things to do just so I could stay here and see what's going on because I love the action and you know um, there's a couple things I would do differently you know you got to be ready for some sacrifices right yeah. a lot of sacrifices have yeah. been made yeah but we, my heart is definitely here I love it I love it and it's you know to build more things the sandwiches and just you know different things it's just it's so beautiful it's so this feeling inside is great you know Certainly, I mean, you have a different situation. You, as you wear the shirt with your name on it, you have the pride of carrying on the tradition of your grandparents, yes, right? Yes, yes, it's amazing. It seriously is amazing when I think about it, you know, and then I have my son who I hope and pray that he loves the business also. What's his name? Domenico. Domenico. Yeah. Great. <laughs> we hope Domenico gets the bug and stays in the business. All right. Well, when you come to Chicago. When you come to Chicago, you got to make a visit to D'Amato's. It's over here on West Grand Avenue in kind of a little mini Italian pocket of sorts. Um, and say hi to Rosanna, the namesake from uh, her grandmother, Rose D'Amato. Rosanna D'Amato, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steve. Honestly, thank you. This is great. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks, Steve. Big thanks again to Rosanna and Eddie for their time because uh, they were busy. I came at 8.30 in the morning and they were already busy cranking stuff out for the day's business which is great to see, by the way, uh, during this pandemic. Coming up in two weeks, a couple of guys in San Francisco making Detroit-style pizza. No, I mean, I'm from New York and he's from Seattle. I mean, we can't, we can't claim to be Motor City authentic, but I think we're doing a style that really resonates with people here and is, to your point, very underserved in San Francisco. I'll talk to the owners of Square Pie Guys, a relatively new spot that honors Detroit, but also adds a few creative touches to the standard Square Pie. That's in two weeks on May 8th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and rate us, please. I would love to know what you like or hate. A couple of you have already, and I appreciate your, uh, your, your honest feedback. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is pizzacityusa.com. We're hoping to get our tours back up and running July. That is the latest we hear from the city of Chicago. So July 4th is our next scheduled tour, and we're going to hopefully begin every week then with our social distancing in place. It does seem like a long ways off. We're going to be holding virtual pizza parties on Zoom though. The plan is every other week. We just did one the other night, um, April 23rd with My Pie here in Chicago. 
Next one is slated for May 7th, and that's with Robert Garvey of Robert's Pizza Company. If you live in Chicago, you can pre-order a pie so that you can enjoy one while we talk to the guy who created it. And sign up on our mailing list over at my website, stevedolinsky.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And just a reminder, everybody, stay safe, wash your hands, don't touch your face, and keep social distancing. Please, please, please keep ordering pizzas and keep your favorites afloat during this pandemic. Thanks for listening, everybody. And here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always. Thank you.